Welcome this morning. We're glad that you're here today. Um, I know that a variety of us have uh, traveled this month as we have uh, family out of state, and for some of us, this is a vacation time of year. So I just, uh, in prayer and preparation this morning, felt uh, prompted to just uh, share with you uh, real quick. I, uh, my wife and I are so thankful to be a part of this church. It is a joy. Um, it, it really is. We uh, are glad to call you friends, glad to be a part of this spiritual family. Uh, this group of humble and brilliant people uh, that serve each other, that care for each other, that um, make food when babies come and, or there's illnesses and, and, and care for each other's needs in very real and practical ways and uh, give generously of their finances so that we're able to do a number of charitable things here in the city and in other places and able to live that message out, but really care for each other, really love on each other. Uh, and I'm just thankful to be a part of that. Uh, this past Sunday, we had another uh, another person join the faith by giving their life to Christ. And what an amazing thing to celebrate in that new life. And uh, we also had a memorial for uh, Val's mother, Romaine, who went to uh, heaven to be with Jesus. And, you know, it's amazing how in new life and in death, in suffering and in joy, uh, we can love on each other and encourage each other. Um, and it's real in this church family. And I am thankful for it. Um, genuinely and just thankful uh, to be a part. So I, I know that uh, for some of you, you're going to travel for the holidays and I, and I may not see you. I mean, please do come back next Sunday if you're in town. Uh, you know, and, and, and we will have service every Sunday. Uh, but, you know, just was prompted like, hey, I love you and I'm glad to be a part of this. So there, that's my moment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so we, uh, I'm going to pray over the reading of the scripture in just a moment, but we're on a series about Jesus. It seems like a good time for that. As we are in our uh, second Sunday of the Advent season on the traditional Christian calendar, a season where historic Christians would commemorate in different ways the coming of Jesus. Advent means coming. And it is both a celebration of the birth of Jesus and his human life on earth, but also a future expectation of his return. When he will return uh, to this earth and God will remake this earth and the city of our God, which Jesus has been preparing, will be revealed. And that future that's before us, that is the meaning behind the season of Advent. And I, I think that uh, certainly you don't need me to say, I'm sure all of you are exposed to various kinds of media and the message of, hey, we can lose the reason for the season, right? Um, and, and certainly there are aspects of the season that have nothing to do with Jesus at all. But we're here to focus on Jesus, and I'm just thankful for that. I'm thankful for his coming. And to that end, I shared last Sunday that I really believe as we are in uh, coming to the end, we're in our final week of a 40-day worship challenge, which is an invitation. We gave away books and have taught on it. An invitation for you to try to spend the best 15 minutes of your day in quiet time with the Lord. Resting, listening to uh, worship music and focusing on God's goodness, uh, reading the word. We provided some 
uh, light scripture reading and an opportunity to maybe journal, different activities, different types of things. And it's my belief that in this season and then in January when we always have a time of uh, prayer and fasting, that what God is doing is bringing a healing to our ability to hope. Our ability to expect something good in this life, not just someday I'll be dead and it might get better. I, I think that there is something genuine that's going on in us. And so I want us, you know, as keeping with the Advent season and expecting the coming of Jesus, even in our turning to the scripture and focus on Jesus, to ask ourselves this question, what are you expecting? For you, maybe childhood and Christmas is not pleasant memories. And so, you know, a gift, a box is like expecting a box of sand. And, and maybe for you that wasn't, oh, I got a sandbox for Christmas. <laughs> I think the only way path forward to freedom and joy is by being honest about where there is pain and suffering. God didn't call us here together this morning to pretend. God wants to bring a healing, a real healing and a real change. And I think we should. I think we should celebrate. I think we should celebrate each other. I think we should celebrate the good things in life in every moment. And even though Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, it's fine to celebrate his birthday. And if you think that birthdays are pagan things and we don't do that, that's also fine. You know, I had a friend growing up who was born in the same hospital I was at the 12 hours of me. His parents were like, no, birthdays are of the devil. We don't do that. You know, so whatever your deal is with birthdays, you know, that's cool. But I think it's good to celebrate the good stuff in life. It's good to celebrate each other. It's good to tell somebody who you know what you like about them before they pass on. In fact, today, we have two birthdays here. It's Joe's birthday and it's Akil's birthday. Right here, say happy birthday. So, as we turn... I think it's helpful for us to not put on God a prejudice of what you think about him, of what you've heard about him from other sources, but instead let's go to the source and let's discover. So we're looking to answer some questions. Who is Jesus? Why does this matter? Does it bring you joy? Last week we looked at John's Gospel in chapter 1, and which is kind of a sci-fi part of the Bible and John describing the truth of how Jesus was present at the moment of creation. Jesus is the living word of God. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the one who is aware of what has been going on long before you were conscious. So I want us to consider who Jesus is and in that to find strength and to find joy. Last week, we looked at the passage. This is said by John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, different than the writer John of the Gospel. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as we turn to our topic today, Jesus, the living power, I want us to take in a little bit of John the Baptist's story first. So, I want to start today in Matthew, 
Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus who himself had a miracle birth, and you can read that story. I'll put the passages for that story on the screen in a moment. John the Baptist, who God had spoken to, God had showed visions, God had given words, God had given him a specific ministry that was a little different and was notable. John said this, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. So water baptism was a way for a public statement, an action, on the, on the part of a person who's come to faith in Jesus to say, I believe. And even here before the ministry of Jesus was revealed, God had through John the Baptist revealed this water baptism thing as something that was important. Where there would be a moment of spiritual cleansing and a moment of saying, God, I receive your forgiveness. But John continues, but someone is coming who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Now I want to fast forward a little bit. We've spent a lot of time talking about the humanity of Jesus, the power of Father God, the role of the Holy Spirit. But we really have not looked at this passage. We've looked at, I'm going to turn to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, there's recorded this conversation between Jesus and a religious leader, Nicodemus. And this is where you get John 3.16, which is Jesus speaking to reveal this new covenant agreement between God and people, this opportunity that God gives to forgiveness. And Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus continued to say, for God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. And then right after this conversation with Nicodemus, where Jesus reveals new birth, this happens. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent time with them there baptizing people. Jesus is baptizing people. Actually, his disciples were. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there were pl- there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. It's kind of obvious. This was before John the Baptist was thrown into prison. A, de- a debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side, this is his disciples asking John the Baptist a question, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one that you identified as the Messiah, the story we just read, 
is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John the Baptist replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And now starts the passage I want to focus on this morning when we identify who is this Jesus. John the Baptist continues, speaking about Jesus. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are the earth, we are of the earth, and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the Spirit without limit. The Father loves His Son and has put everything into His hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son of God will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Can we say amen to the reading of God's Word? So, we, we talked before about how easy it is for us to look at God as though He were human. Right? And, you know, have this kind of angry old white guy with a beard, judgmental kind of view of God in the sky. Right? That, that comes to us easy, but that's actually worse than racism because God has actually already revealed that he's not like that at all. If we will take in the whole story. Prepare ourselves for the rest of the story. You had to know that was coming. So it's our reasonable response to open the scriptures and search out what's the truth. I don't want you to come here and hear my opinion, but let's search out the truth. And in particular, as it is possible for us to focus on the humanity of Christ and the warm fuzzies, John, the disciple, also brings to us the truth about the power of the spirit of who Jesus is. This is really important and really makes a difference when we face difficulty and frustration and when we find ourselves distracted by our carnal desires and the the world, everything that we can see with our natural eyes and hear with our natural ears, the the circumstances, life comes at you fast and, and chaos and mayhem are right around the corner. We come to this place for a reminder, for a call to attention to the scripture of the spiritual things, of the spiritual dimension that are greater than anything we experience in this natural world. It's the truth. And your spirit on the inside of you yearns for it. Yearns for a satisfaction that is beyond anything of your own desires Beyond what you crave, what you think might be fulfilling in this world, there is something of the spirit realm that can bring you to ultimate fulfillment, strength, and peace. 
It's possible. Jesus is the living power. So let's walk through, just kind of take layer by layer for just a few minutes what John says here. So in verse 31, John makes it pretty clear, Jesus isn't from around here. Like, he might have had a human birth in Nazareth. You know that town from which no good thing can come? Anyone read some stuff in the press about Baltimore lately? (laughs) Well, what? Right? He may have come from that small town from which nothing good can come. And I grew up in Portland, Oregon, a town where there were plenty of pastors that said, God will never visit that city. I know what it's like to come from a town where people say bad stuff about it. It it wasn't like it is now, back when I grew up. John, the disciple, says he is from heaven. This is an eyewitness. This is someone that watched Jesus. This is someone that heard his voice with his own ears. He heard the tone of his voice. He saw his actions. He saw his facial expressions. Jesus was not a remarkable person in his human makeup and his physique. He, he, he was not the rock. He is the rock, but he was not Dwayne Johnson, if you get my drift, right? He was, he was not, right? Some of you were like, whoa, wait, what are we talking? What church did we come? Right? John watched this human body that was not remarkable and he said at the end of it all, he is from heaven. We talked about that last week. He was with God when God said, let there be light. He was with God when God created the galaxies. Our ever-expanding universe, Jesus was there. So when I come to Christmas season and I come all these pictures and these cartoons and yes, he is warm and fuzzy and approachable and comfy like the best possible fleece. But he is also a powerful spiritual being from heaven. My prayer, I should not think that he is incapable. Watch this now. Second, he is greater Greater than anyone else. And and John the Baptist, just in case you missed it, repeats it. That's so nice, I'll say it twice. He is greater than anyone else. Uh, let's, let's do this. Let's turn to Colossians. After Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, we get Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. If you have the app, you don't need me to say that, but here we go. Paul writes... Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Christian church in Colossae, he writes these words. Colossians chapter 1, uh, I'll start in verse 11. We also pray that you will be spre- uh, whoo, strengthened. I haven't had my second cup of coffee yet. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Anyone need that? Right? Now, where do we find it? May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for him. This is Jesus he's talking about. He existed before anything else and holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Jesus is greater than anyone who has lived. Your level of peace, your level of joy, how much stress and anxiety affect you is directly connected to your understanding of this. In your eyes, is Jesus the greatest of them all? Hey, I've been there. Walking Penub in all the wrong places. I've been there. Jesus is the only one who will not let you down. Jesus is greater than anyone else. And that should wake me up in the morning. I know I'll keep going more. All right. What we see also in the passage from John, John the Baptist teaches that Jesus speaks God, God's word. Literally, the, you know, the ones in red in here, those are words that Jesus heard the Father saying. God, he spoke what God was saying. And he spoke about things that he had seen and heard. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, and he often does, if you read the scripture, in some ways that are a little bit spooky, in some ways that are a little bit different, that are not concrete and clean and organized and all put together like we want churches to be, these human organizations and buildings that are all put together. Jesus talks about the kingdom and God in ways that are downright weird. But it is Jesus who actually saw it. It is Jesus who actually knows best about it. It is Jesus who knows that there is no human who controls the kingdom of God. Let us search it out with great wonder. Enjoy the mysteries of God. I should desire to know what Jesus has said and is now saying. 
Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? It's in here. He prayed for all who would ever believe in Him. But you've got to search it out if you want to know it. Number four, God gives him the Spirit. And it's interesting here. I think the New Living does good at unpacking the Greek of what John the Baptist actually taught. God gives Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, without limit. It is Jesus who gave the Holy Spirit to his disciples, who said, wait for it, who predicted it. It was Jesus through whom the Holy Spirit came to this earth. And it is Jesus who is at the right hand of the Father praying for us even now. Come on, this shouldn't be stuff that's too mysterious for us for a Sunday morning. Hello? Right? It is Jesus who sends the Holy Spirit for us now. Who is the Holy Spirit? Our advocate, our comforter, our help in time of need, our guide into the truth. I can't understand all this stuff. It's too complicated for me. We'll say, God, help me. Guide me in truth. And when you pray that prayer, God, help me understand this stuff. It's confusing. It is the Holy Spirit that you are engaging. And it is Jesus, the Son of God, who sends the Holy Spirit to you. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Okay, I hope the rest of you will eventually come to my place of excitement. Number five, John the Baptist witnessed for himself and John the disciple heard the words and I have on the screen multiple other places where it was also recorded. God the Father spoke in an audible voice and humans heard him and said, this is my son, I love him. So the next time, You are tempted when you stub your toe to say the name of Jesus. Consider that is who God the Father loves. (laughs) Son of a nutcracker. The cell phone. Jesus is the one whom God the Father loves. Right? We were having phone crashing issues in my house yesterday. Phone, cell phones. Jesus is who God the Father loves. Now, we also see here, God the Father gives him all things. So, my prayer, my worship should be informed by this. Are are you with me? If God the Father has given Jesus the Son all things, this should inform my prayer. I should be thinking about that. I should look to Jesus as a source, as a way maker, the one who makes a way where there seems like there is no way. Jesus is a source. The Father has given him all things. Number seven, whoever believes and obeys, we see both in this passage, whoever believes in Jesus and obeys him has eternal life. What you think about Jesus is a determining factor. Your level of peace, your level of spiritual life here now in this world, and in the life that is yet to come. It's really important what you believe about Jesus. I encourage you, if you have doubts, identify them, state them. Keeping them secret doesn't help you. What are your questions about Jesus? Then pursue the answers. 
pursuing the answers to the questions you have about who Jesus is, is a pathway to joy. It might not sound like it, but it is. Jesus is the one who the Father gave all things. Jesus is the one in whom people find eternal life. Now, just want to pull back in another layer. I think that John Piper rightly said that the foundation of our salvation is the infinite regard that the Father has for the Son. This relationship is important. So what do we learn from all this? Well, number one, Jesus is above anyone who has walked the earth. It's really easy to find some voices in this life that you approve of that seem smart, that seem good. And it's easy to spend a lot of time in the week through all the media that comes at us learning about what certain people think. And to have, whether it be a late night infotainment, YouTube, whatever it is, to have a really good sense of a person's sense of humor their and their ethic and their opinions about whether it be the, the, the president or life or any, any number of issues, and yet not have the same level of familiarity with Jesus. Did you know that Jesus has a sense of humor, which is actually recorded? Jesus actually exercises sarcasm. I get people throw stuff at me when I exercise sarcasm. Jesus was sarcastic. Jesus had a sense of humor. Did you know that? You've got to read from your, for yourself to interact with Jesus enough to start to become familiar with him. And what grieves my spirit is when someone sends me a question about what I think about a certain talking head or so-and-so is saying. And it clearly misses the point of the plain, simple truth of the sensibility of who Jesus is. I want to be more familiar with Jesus' sense of humor, his truth, the things that he communicated about what I should do with my finances and how I should relate to my family and how I should relate to my neighbors than I am familiar with any other voice, including my own. That sounds impossible. I know, that's why I still come here. I need help. Right? And then after that, I look at the... Other voices that were inspired by the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Did you know that whatever it is, whatever area of your life that needs some help, there is something about it in here? That feels like a topic for another day. Jesus is above anyone who walked the earth. Our focus on, our reverence for, our love for, our appreciation for should be calibrated to be a reasonable response to that truth. Those were some $10 words. Number two, God has given Jesus living power beyond anything we face. There is no challenge. Ain't no mountain high enough. Come on, somebody. Listen. There is no challenge you face in this life that is greater than Jesus Christ. He is greater than. He is greater than. If I will pause and investigate Jesus 
and find Him praiseworthy and find Him worthy of building my life, digging down into the truth of who Jesus is upon which to build the foundation of my life, it will be rewarding. My stress level will change. My anxiety level will change. My outlook will change. My joy level will change. It's the truth. There is nothing more powerful in your life than Jesus. We can, in our human nature, allow things to affect us more than Jesus. Number three, there is a loving relationship between each member of the Trinity. That's important. That's an important truth. I can understand why some people don't want to go to heaven because their view of what it's like. But what we see plainly revealed in Scripture is that between the members of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is love. Look at the way that God the Father speaks about God the Son. And then we are also called children of God as we believe in Him? What? Number four, as our understanding of Jesus grows, we will be filled with strength and joy. I'm inviting you to a quest. Okay, I got a few of you more interested. A quest of learning about who Jesus is. This mysterious person upon whom human history hinges. For whom the evidence of his miracle birth, the evidence of his miracle resurrection is irrefutable. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Number five. What are we learning? The humanity of Jesus and the deity of Jesus are both important for us. And Jesus at the right hand of the Father talking to the God for us. He had a fully human life. He knows what human life is like. He identifies with us. And when we talk to Him, He knows what God is like. He is the perfect bridge in that gap. Both his deity and humanity are important. Number six, we can believe in Jesus as Savior and follow him wholeheartedly as our way to eternal life. It's throughout the scriptures. In fact, Jesus is revealed in each one of the 66 books of the Bible. Jesus is revealed as Messiah, as the way to eternal life. Some of you would say, I've had enough of this miserable life. I'm better, ready for something better. Well, I've got good news. Jesus is the way to something better. I thought that was good. So what should we do? Well, we talked about this part last week. Number one, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here today and maybe you've heard about him, maybe you've read about him, maybe you can quote scriptures, but you've never come to a place of just repenting of your sin. That means turning away from it. Just stating the truth of where you're wrong. Believing in your heart and saying with your mouth that Jesus is your way to salvation. Asking God for forgiveness. Making Jesus your Lord. Salvation. Your destiny changed. Being born again. Being given a new heart. These things in water baptism outlined in the purple book that we always have available. Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Second, 
Respond by loving God with all you've got and others in the same way that you care for yourself. Jesus said, this is kind of important in Matthew 22. Love God with all you've got and care for others in the same way you care for yourselves. This is how we would respond from what we've learned. Number three, draw strength and joy from this personal relationship with Jesus. Just try an experiment. Try to choose for a day to believe that Jesus is greater. The living word, the living power. Try an experiment. See if you can ask God for help, ask God for strength, ask God for joy, and be transformed by a personal relationship where you're focused more on God than you are yourself and your problems. God's not going to ignore you or your problems. God can bring change to those situations, but more importantly, transform you so the way that you interact with those situations is completely different. It is the truth. Number four, grow your faith in Jesus by pursuing answers to your questions. Church is not a place where you check your brain at the door and you pretend that you don't have doubt. It is the place you come racked with sin and guilt. It is the place you come when you are sick, when you are broken, when your thoughts are not reliable, your feelings are not reliable. It is the place you come when your heart is filled with faith uh, and, 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 and confusion, yet when you are filled with hate for others. It is the place you come for that. This is not the place we come just on the days when we feel like we had a good week. No, that's not what this place is meant for. This is meant for us to come together as a spiritual family in whatever state we are in. To confess Jesus as our Savior, to pursue Him, to love Him, to receive God's love through Him. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become the child of God. Will you stand with me and we'll close in prayer today, please? Lord, we come to you and we confess that it is easy to be distracted by the things of this world. Lord, the things that, that press us in our face. Lord, the things that we see every day, that we hear every day. Lord, so easy to become distracted by that. Lord, we confess we don't always do the right thing. Sometimes we, we don't do the right thing. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your cleansing. We ask for your help. Lord, we say we believe that Jesus is our Savior, our way to eternal life. Just like the disciples said, Lord, we believe and help us in our unbelief. God, I thank you that you don't turn us away because we're not perfect, that you don't turn us away because we have doubt, that you don't turn us away. But you love us. God, I ask here now that your love would be poured out in this place in a supernatural way that is obvious. Help us to draw strength from you, to be transformed with new life in Jesus and to receive joy. In this Advent season, we celebrate the birth of Jesus and God, we expect the return of Lord Jesus to this earth. We thank you for who you are. May your, fi- your face shine on us today. 
We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.